Hey, Sarah. Hey, what? I want to watch a romantic comedy. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Hello, and welcome to RomanticComedyCommentary.com, or as Sarah likes to call it, RomComCom.com. And this week, if you can't tell from that excellent opening line, we are doing Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Say it again. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. And this week joining us, we have a very special guest. Sarah, would you like to introduce our guest? This is uh, the man who made me love Bill Murray, my dad, Pat. Hey. (laughs) <laughs> hey pat thanks for joining us it's my pleasure <laughs> so uh you just want to should we just dive into groundhog day i mean sure well no, what's like your um well, you yeah. can dig into it you can like a groundhog <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> um what was your relationship to this movie did you see it in the theater when did you first see no it? i hate going to the theater so um i watched it on tv and really enjoyed the first time I, I saw it disjointedly, probably four or five different times, not all the way through. And then hmm. I watched it all the way through. And, and uh, I think I watched it with you at some point. Yeah, I come in and out. I'm, I'm pretty good for 30 minutes at a time, but yeah. 90 or 120 is like. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, 1993, I was nine. Yeah, about you? 30. 93, I would have been 37. Yeah, well, I would have turned 37 later that year. Mm, okay. So if so I watched were... it in November, it would be 37. Yeah. yeah. I think it came out. I don't remember when it came out, but. Uh, I just have 1993. Hmm. That's the that best was, I can do. That was when you were in oh, the. Uh, February 12th. Oh, really? February 12th, Ooh. 1993. Okay. So they missed the date. So, yeah, by 10 days. Yeah. yeah. Huh. yeah. Um,. That's also George Washington's birthday. Huh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the higher rated movies that we've done. Again, yeah. I think this might be the second highest rated on IMDb 8 out of 10. Uh, Roger Ebert, four out of four. Wow. I guess that wow. would be two two thumbs up. Yeah. It just says Robert Ebert, not Cisco and Ebert. Hmm. Uh, Metacritic 72, 88% on Google. So I expected it to be higher on Google. So did I. Only 88%. Yeah, Google's weird and how they do their rankings. We found mm. that for bad movies, it tends to be really, really high. Like, I don't think we've ever seen one on Google under 70%. Yeah. Even huh. for some terrible ones. Yeah, the movie was not like a huge hit when it came out. Really? And it uh, it later became, I don't know, it's always ranked near the top of oh, yeah. comedies. But when it came out, it was like, yeah, that's pretty good. Hmm. But I liked it because I've just always loved Bill Murray. When yeah. I, I watched an extra thing with Harold Ramis talking about it, and it, like a quick 10 minute interview of the extras, and it was uh, really good. I'd highly suggest checking out. But one thing that he talked about was a Harvard, I think he said a Harvard literature professor was at, yeah, I think it was literature, was asked what contemporary things would be remembered 100 years from now and still hmm. like uh, experienced, whatever medium it may be. And he said Groundhog Day. So. Hmm. Take, I wonder that, why. take that for what you want. Uh, b- because it speaks, I guess, to a lot of common truths. Is what they kind of said. daily life. <laughs> well, and Harold Ramis said that when it came out, when he knew it was going to be a success, mm-hmm. was when he started getting letters and notes and things from 
kind of religious sects, like um, well, not even religious, like uh, Buddhists and yogis, and and, and oh yeah, uh, it's a very uh, existential one, like in Judaism, people mm-hmm. and all those were sending him things saying you're speaking like directly to our faith and what we think. And when he was getting these across the board, he kind of said, well, we really mm-hmm. must have hit on some kind of is that is that because of the number of suicide attempts <laughs> Bill Murray went for? Uh, you'd say successful, yeah. <laughs> Well, then, then did you, at any point, did you see, they don't address how many days he repeats it, mm-hmm. but what the original script, what it was supposed to be? 10,000. It was supposed to be like 10,000. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Was at least the original intent of it. Yeah. And, they, and originally, it was supposed to start in the middle. There wasn't, the whole first act where oh. he's being introduced was not in the original script. Huh. And that's when Harold Ramis became attached to it. And he really, really liked it because it was just... All of a sudden, you're dropped in. It was supposed to be the part where Bill Murray is like going mad. That's where you originally dropped in it. Oh my gosh! And, and yeah, and then a studio exec gave the note, just like, saying, "Well, they'll we kind need of be, more explanation." Well, it it was he made it sound more like it was that people will feel robbed if they don't get to see him realizing what's going on, mm, it, you yeah. know. And then they just end up keeping it in. So, yeah. but I think it ended up working. And yeah, well, I know that they. F- he and Bill Murray had a falling out about the movie for years Bill Murray wouldn't speak to him after doing this movie because Murray wanted it to be more philosophical I guess kind of like it sounded like it began Mm -hmm. and Ramis wanted it to be more of a comedy and he felt that there needed to be more continuity and more action so I don't know I mean you need that comedy in there. I feel like it's a good comedy. It's like John and Paul and the Beatles. Like mm. you need both of those things. But you know, he's Murray is never happy in that movie. If you yeah. if you look at him and you think of all the movies he's done where he's goofy. I mean, set mm-hmm. set aside the one in Japan, whatever the heck name of that movie was, uh, Lost, Lost in Translation. In translation. He's he's deadpan. He's deadpan when he jumps, you know, he spreads his, his arms and jumps off the top of the, mm-hmm. the church tower when he takes the toaster into the bed. He's, ne- he's never joyous or goofy like he is in so many of his movies. And, and maybe that was his play at being uh, the existentialist. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think he came back. And started speaking to Ramus when it was clear that he was gonna, yeah. that he wasn't gonna make it, that Harold yeah. was gonna die. But um, gosh, the things Harold Ramus has done, though. Oh my gosh. Caddyshack, Ghostbusters, so this movie, mm-hmm. um, Stripes. Stri- Stripes is a great movie. Oh yeah. That's well, that's a fact, Jack. No, 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 no. That's that's another Murray movie. The little kid, uh, Rudy the Rabbit. What the heck was that movie? Mm, I'll remember it. Mm, Yes, I remember Stripes. Meatballs, Animal House. Meatballs. 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 Uh, That's a fact, Jack. You love that. I remember (laughs) watching that movie movie and you yelling that over He was at his his goofiest best. (laughs) He was in Airheads? He was according, yeah, according to his IMD or his, his Wikipedia huh. page, he was an airhead. I don't even, I don't know what is that movie. I, it's like a. It was the one where Brendan Fraser and kind of Adam Sandler and uh, Steve Buscemi broke into a radio station to get their demo oh, yeah. played. Mm-hmm. Wow! And it was, and they took it over. Oh, it was like yeah. a hostage situation. That's pretty good star power there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a shockingly funny movie. I mean, it was <laughs> goofy. Go watch fun. that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just and not it, in the theater. No. Oh never. no. 
Well, I don't. I would if I saw <laughs> Airheads was playing a theater, I'd probably beeline right. For yeah, it. <laughs> just the people that would come out of the woodwork to see Airheads yeah. on thirty-five millimeter would be a show unto itself. Yeah, it'd have well, to be at Studio Thirty Five. Oh, yeah, to get, get a beer. Well, Sarah, would you like to give for anyone that hasn't seen Groundhog Day? Uh, we, we're gonna just dive into the plot in a second and kind of work through it. But for anyone that hasn't seen it, do you want to give like a quick? Sure. I'm gonna say. 30 second summary because you usually go over by 15 to 30 <laughs> seconds so maybe that'll get you to okay less than so, <laughs> let's see uh so bill murray plays phil connors who is a weatherman in pittsburgh he has a brand new producer played by andy mcdowell and they are assigned to go out to punxsutawney to cover groundhog day with punxsutawney phil the groundhog and he's a kind of a scrooge just mean-spirited guy has kind of a crappy day, tries to leave to go back to Pittsburgh. They get snowed in in Punxsutawney. He wakes up the next day, and it's the exact same day, and he realizes he's reliving the same day over and over and over again, and he goes through various stages of dealing with that in order to come out a better person at the end and end up getting the girl. And Chris Elliott. And Chris Elliott. <laughs> He's there too. <laughs> uh, and one Mr. Willie Garson is in this. Did you catch that? I did. I saw him. Who's Willie Garson? He, He's in everything. I know. And Sarah and I argue about whether it's a cameo or whether cameo. he's actually just in everything. I say it's a cameo. But she, he's not even well known at that point. If your dad saw a picture of Willie Garson, he would know exactly who's who his character. A uh, super small part. Oh, yeah. Um, he plays like the guy in the news station as Phil Connors is leaving. He's like a producer. Willie yeah. Garson. Garson. He was in Sex and the City is what he's kind of known for a lot. He he's was in, in White Collar. Stargate, SG-1, and several other Stargate offshoots. I I like him just because I, <laughs> I like him in everything. He just seems like he'd yeah, be a nice great. guy. And you know what I realized? He doesn't age, but he was never young. But he was never young. I was thinking he looked crazy young in this movie. I was thinking he looked oh, pretty. Oh, he's Phil's much assistant. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But he's in just he has just little parts in in everything. And if you he heard, looks, him, he looks a little like Ned Ryerson. Yeah, Stephen Toblowski. God, yeah, Ned Ryerson. <laughs> so the yeah. well, we'll get we'll get to Ned Ryerson. So God, it, I hope so. <laughs> so so it starts off with him giving the weather in his radio station, and he's just kind of shown to be a unhappy sort of pretty wicked person off the bat that's what i was trying to come up with in my 30 second summary he's a misanthrope which means <laughs> justin not, doesn't, a, not a throat justin doesn't know um he's missing the opposite throat. of a philanthrope okay so he's he's a scrooge he's he only sees the negative he's grouchy and mean-spirited and he wants to be a big deal and yeah. he's not a big deal because he he's a weatherman in pittsburgh and yeah. he gets sent to this he calls hick. himself the talent. Yeah. yeah, he gets sent to this hick town to cover the hickiest, most mm-hmm. uh, normal, weird thing you could With cover. just average people, right? <laughs> and he's paired against Annie McDowell's character, Rita, who is the opposite. She is the most kind, loving. She's so sweet to anyone and everyone. Optimistic. Just a really good kind-hearted person and he seems to hate her right and away. she just took her clothes off in a movie recently oh really yes, she's back really, really. which movie is that mm. <laughs> great <laughs> uh she was in 2017 in something called love after love 
That huh. sounds like that would have a nude scene in it, Probably. perhaps. She hasn't been in much other than a hair commercial. So. Uh, and that's a weird way for you. Is, by hair commercial, do you mean Magic Mike's Magic Mike Double XL in 2015? In oh, wow. According to <laughs> She's Google. got a weird second half of her career going on. Huh. Well, she had kids before. The, she had two kids before this movie and then another one after. And I'd say she looks pretty good. Uh, she was also in 2011's Footloose remake and also Queen Latifah's Beauty Shop. Wow. So she's got to okay. be close to my age. Yeah, she was born in 58. Yeah, I was born in 56. So yeah. 60 years old. Uh, Thomas. But, but yeah, they go to Punxsutawney to cover the Groundhog Festival. Mm-hmm. Have either of you been to the Groundhog Festival? Well, dad's first big job out of ohio was in meadville pennsylvania yeah this was um 30 minutes from punxsutawney yeah so did you make it no oh why not how do you see something like this yeah if i did i don't remember it but i would have been too big of a deal to go there (laughs) (laughs) he did the sports it was cool well we actually do have i know one person that's been to oh really one person who tumbush no, but you're in the ballpark. Tim South. Tim South. I knew it was Tim. Somebody's really gone there. Yeah, yeah. He, well, no, and here's the best part. So it's it's a friend of ours, Tim, who just, you may have met him at some point. Just good time Charlie. Always down for anything. No ifs, ands, or buts. And he was in uh, Bowling Green, and he got done with a bartending shift there. And oh. a friend of his was work was They he, drove all the way across the state. Ugh. Two states. They went from... Yeah. Wow. They went from working in BG... Closing down the bar, hopped in the car, drove overnight to Punxsutawney, saw that, then hopped in the car, drove to New York to spend a day oh. or two in New York, and then just drove home. And all this was on a, we are closing the bar down. This sounds like a it would whim. be a fun okay. whim. Jeez. Well, and everything happens like super early there because it's like you see your shadow when the sun comes up or yeah. you don't see your shadow. So right. it's it's a, it's a morning party. Oh, well, yeah. It is, they do it all night. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I looked into it once because I've, I've wanted to go for years and Aww. I can just never find a person because I just want to drive through the night. I don't want to get a hotel. I just want to get there early, <laughs> you experience and get Sam. out. Pretty much. You did it the right <laughs> way. Uh, why reinvent the wheel? But I looked at their their calendar of events, like the what goes on through the day. And it is like, do yes. Do they have it, an auction? Well, it, I didn't see if there, I forget if there was an auction but it does start very early for the main event but then it's like goes it's, a, it's a full week it's like a full weekend it starts on uh what day of the week is that i know it's like a it four day changes. celebration it's whatever okay. day that... <laughs> oh okay well either way it was like a three day three four day celebration <laughs> <laughs> but i will tell you this if your reference to driving all night through ohio is is means you're a wkr peer which andy at one point was helping a uh, a Russian go from Cincinnati to Cleveland, driving through the middle of that, and he said, "You tell me, you my life's not working out." <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you driving through Ohio in, in the middle of the night to go to in Pennsylvania. The I would love to. Uh, so, you know, simple things. It sounds like fun. I love small town festivals, like the yeah. Circleville Pumpkin Show. I live yeah, for Justin the Circleville Pumpkin Show. Yeah, Justin goes at like eight a.m. and gets everyone pumpkin donuts and comes back. Well, because otherwise, if you go later, the line for the main bakery is without exaggeration over an hour, and I draw the line Holy. at like fifteen to twenty minutes for yeah. donuts. And we walk out. We walk oh, you out. Get, you with, have to have a line. Oh, well, I mean, but we walk out with. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think we've probably last year spent seventy dollars on donuts, Jeez. just getting like dozen donuts and bringing them back to people. And it's kind of they turned into us. A, yeah, and it's turned. Well, it sounds like they're really overcharging for donuts there. I know. Well, no, well, we, we just bought seventy money bucks for a dozen. No, oh, no, he, no. He got like, a, like how many dozen? <laughs> however many seventy buy. <laughs> I would assume like seven, maybe. It was like, yeah, it wasn't crazy. It was like eight or nine, ten dollars for a dozen. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, I like small town festivals. Dollar a donut. Yeah, have you been you to the Hall of Fame parade in Canton, Ohio? No, I have not. Is that a fun one? That's my hometown. And that's your beat? The sports beat? Oh, no. Back then, I was just a kid, and the Hall of Fame was built when I was a kid. It wasn't open until, I don't know, 63 or 4, and I was born in 56. But every year, they have a big parade. Big deal. Huh. Well, I've always wanted big to go deal. to the Dean Martin uh, He's got a weird thing yeah. with Dean Martin. Steuben Villa. I love Dean Martin. Everybody <laughs> loves Dean Martin. I think oh my gosh. I think you've got a weird not thing with Dean well, Martin. Well, I know a lot of his songs because of Dad. He had a, in your white sob, you had a whole um, I still have CD that. of I that. still have that CD and I play it all mm. the time. So have you been to the Dean Martin Steubenville Festival? No, but I've been to Steubenville many times. Yeah, and it's... You seem to be working your way around these things, but never quite being there. <laughs> the right how, how long is my attention span? Yeah, it could be part of the problem. Narrow. Yeah. So either way, he we see that the groundhog does have a shadow. And okay, is, so the wait a minute, problem... Have you, have you been to that Steubenville Fest? No, I haven't. I aspire to. Okay. There's a lot of things I want to do He wants to drive through the night to get there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. He's doing a lot of driving through the night upcoming. <laughs> Uh, Anyhow, back yeah. to back to but, the hog. Okay, so my problem with, of course, they had they had to do it this way because of shooting. But if you get up at six a.m. on February second, it is pitch black at six a.m. on February second. It's not light yet, and it doesn't even. And they were, I, I guess, it was like a seven or seven thirty that they were going to meet at Gobbler's Knob. It's still dark. I mean, I've seen it on like the Today Show or you know CBS this morning. Like there, it's just barely the light is just barely coming up when they're holding this groundhog up in semi darkness. So I, th- I think what you're missing was they had they had the place floodlit in the movie. In in well, in real life, no, in real life they have it floodlit. Yeah. Well, where they did it wasn't even gob. Actual That's not gob- even gobbler's knob. Yeah. yeah. Gobbler's knob's outside of town in its own area. It's like a it's almost well, like a even, um, county they, fairgrounds. I don't think they filmed it. Any of this in they didn't Punxsutawney, actually, wasn't no. it Woods, Woodstock? I think that's what I read Is that somewhere. what it was? I thought I, I, thought I know it wasn't Punxsutawney. Yeah. And it isn't in the town square. Which makes no sense to me. How much harder could it be to get... They they, they could be proprietary about it. I don't know. I could see the good people of Gobblers not being way on board with this idea, though. Well, I Gobblers... Mean, nobody lives at Gobblers Okay, now. the good people of Punxsutawney. <laughs> good people who live in the woods outside Gobblers Knob. <laughs> um... But yeah, so the, and it was all off. And the night before when they arrived, they're like, we're just going to go to bed. It would have been dark. It's dark at like 5.15. So they were all off when they're light and dark. I know because winter is dark and I'm always sad when it gets dark at 5.30 and doesn't get light until like 8. So they ended up filming to make continuity. I mean, this is com- this makes perfect sense, but to make the continuity easier, they mm-hmm. just filmed all the scenes right in succession. That so it would sense. be Bill Murray like with Ned Ryerson 
it would be, you know, he they'd pull each other aside right before and kind of walk through like, all right, now I'm going to be pissed off. At, mm-hmm. or he'll bring his like, now he's going to be pissed off. You do the same, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to be really pissed. And the part where he pulls him in and says, I don't know what you're doing today, but can you call off work? That was that was 100% ad lib. And all he told him was, uh, just just go with it. Oh, no. So, uh, his face is like, whoa. 60% of Caddyshack's ad libbed. Yeah, they said, um, well, IMDb said that he drove most directors nuts because he would start ad-libbing his character and sometimes get way off track. And they'd be like, this isn't even the scene I wrote. But then it would always end up being better. Yeah. Yeah. I'd see it being incredibly hard. Because how do you tell Bill Murray to like slow down or stop or reel it back in? Yeah. It's going to be gold. Mm -hmm. So he wakes up. He gives the newscast. He's ready. A very dispassionate newscast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he is just ready to get the hell out of. Yeah. He's like, I'll be back for the five o'clock news. I'm getting out of here. But they run into a blizzard. Mm -hmm. And they close down the roads and they have to turn around. And Chris Elliott has to deliver the news. No, he goes up to a cop. Remember, he gets out of the car, out of the van on the highway and runs up to the cop and the cop's like there's a blizzard and he's like what it's gonna clear off i told everyone it's clearing off he's but, like but chris elliott delivers the news to andy mcdowell and bill, bill murray bill murray is the one who got out of the car yeah and ended up talking to and talked to the cop he's like freezing because he's not wearing his coat he's like it's gonna clear off and the cop's like get back in your car you can either stay here, or you can turn around. But and Pittsburgh's only about two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wondered as as I was watching it too. So it's after this, then he goes to sleep or whatever and wakes up and starts reliving the same day over and over again. But if I were him, and he must have tried this in another scene and we just didn't see, or, you know, we didn't see it, but it happened, I would get in my car immediately at 6 a.m. and start hightailing it out of there. I wouldn't wait for. The broadcast yeah, it's kind of that. funny that they that he never really tried to get out. Well, but I I just assume we didn't see it because again, there's yeah. a lot that in this presumably we do not see that mm-hmm. he walk goes through because if he learns to mm-hmm. you know do ice sculptures or play the piano, like there's a lot of days we don't see, and at least right. one of those he has to like. I, I don't know how they would have handled that, but I would like to see him like just get in his car and like go and maybe fall asleep at the wheel and wake up back mm-hmm. there or something like that. But I don't know if that yeah, would really. Yeah, I wonder. Really I also sad. wonder if the bartender is like omniscient or like God kind of because whenever he like orders a drink or does something silly, the bartender's always looking at him like mm. it's that older black guy when he orders the sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. Yeah, is that a thing? <laughs> it sounds awful, but yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to drink that. Andy McDowell does, apparently. That's my favorite drink. It's not a drink. <laughs> uh, I always cheers to world peace. Well, yeah, what was that about? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then uh, Harold Ramis did actually say one of the things he loved about the script when he first saw it was that they never did address what directly was going on, what the, the true like impetus to it was, that there was hmm. no supernatural force, that it just kind of it was. Yeah. And then it wasn't. But that there, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like an angel winking at him or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. So, and I like that too. I thought that was a neat little twist. I, mm-hmm. I did have one thing written here though, because we are talking about rom-coms. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely comedic, but I thought him and Andy McDowell were, now that I'm watching it through this guise, mm-hmm. I thought they were a lot flirtier early on than I ever remembered myself. Like there yeah. was at least a banner to it. Like she was fun and playful. Yeah, and he she was... played against him, but she was always disgusted with him. Yeah, but she never liked him. The the thing about how he acted towards her throughout the entire movie was uh, Mm -hmm. he seemed to have a reverence towards her that he did in every other character. Like he'd Mm -hmm. tease her, but it wouldn't go quite as far as being vicious. I I thought he said something gross to her that I was like, I can't remember what it was though. He definitely grossed her out. Mm. But yeah, they definitely had a chemistry. And he says later how he really had fallen for her like the minute he saw her, even though he seemed so angry and mean, but he knew that she was like the kindest person. And if he could do anything to be the kind of person to deserve her. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the turning point of his experience with the perpetual day. Mm -hmm. Cause I have it. I I wrote down the stages that I thought were, um, he was going through like the first stage was fear and just like bewilderment like what the hell is going on i keep going through this day and then when he met up with those drunks that were um at the bolt were they at the bowling alley yes and then they were on the train tracks and and he's like what would you do if you didn't you know if you kept waking up to the same day and no matter what you did and they were like you could do anything you could you know do whatever with no consequences he's like you're right and then that started off his whole like hedonistic freedom Mm. stage where he just kind of like went nuts and then i have the third stage as him like chasing after women but it kind of fits with the hedonistic life thing too where he met kathy because he figured out that she (laughs) went to lincoln high school and was in mrs walsh's english class you know um And then the fourth stage is when he started going after Rita. And that was like the deceit kind of trying to figure out everything about Rita so that he could, I guess, sleep with her or or be with her. And it always ended in her slapping him in the face no matter what. And I love when she yells at him, is this what love is for you? Which was such a good insight that it's like just checking off a box. Like, I know these things about you because he tells her Mm. he loves her. And she's like, this isn't love. And he's like, I I don't even like myself. <laughs> but somehow she is almost playing along with his everyday progression of becoming a better person. Yeah. Even though in she reality, doesn't. she would never have a clue because mm-hmm. she would just wake up thinking he was a jerk the next day. Right. But it kind of. Well, she has what, to. which I guess is the literary license of right you know, because I was thinking about that too because at the very end well fifth is the depression slash hopelessness where he kills, tries to kill himself a whole bunch of different times then the sixth is that I'm a god I must be a god I keep reliving the same day you know I know everything about these people and then he's just looking for a companionship kind of and then that's when he starts working on himself when he tells her like if i could be the kind of person that would deserve someone like you then he's that's when he starts getting into like the altruistic part of himself he starts being kind to people and really being invested in people in the town and then it kind of i feel like that last day kind of sneaks up on you it's like 
He's got everything going on. You know, he's helping those ladies with their tire. He's talked to this person. He's over here. He's helping Fred and what's her name because she has cold feet when they Saves get married. Saves the little boy falling out of the tree. You've never thanked me. <laughs> See you tomorrow. He or goes, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. He goes or the, or the piano, piano teacher throwing, throwing the little girl out. Because... I'll give you $1,000. <laughs> Hold on. This is your first lesson. And then you see her just <laughs> shoving her pushing, out the door. Like pushing her in the butt out the door, like, get out. I got I got better things to do. When here. he said my father was a piano mover. Yeah. I She's like, this is your it. first lesson? And he's like, yes, but my father was a piano mover. So I wonder if that was Adler. Oh, I oh, it thought it was. That reeks of Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, keep going with what you're going. I got a Bill Murray anecdote at some but, but um, she all of a sudden is really into him. That last day, he's super altruistic and involved in the town and everyone knows who he is and he's everyone's best friend. And he never chases her that day. You know, and he's up playing the piano bef- at the dance before the auction. And then when the auction comes up, she bets, you know, all oh, of her doesn't money. Doesn't he save his brother? Doesn't he save Brian yeah. Doyle from choking oh, yeah. on a Choking. Piece of steak? He's like... You got to get sharper teeth. (laughs) (laughs) And then he turns around and lights that lady's cigarette and walks out the door. Like, whoa. (laughs) It's so good. And, but then she's really into him, but it's such a change in his personality. I would think she would just be bewildered, you know, rather than attracted. From 6 a.m. to... 6 p.m. PM, Yeah, Yeah, but she didn't know him before that. I mean, she met him like the day before, so maybe she could just thought he woke up on the wrong side of the bed is all I can kind of think of that. But I did think it was amazing how they took one character that was entirely like, like they didn't, they weren't supposed to change. They were just like static in this Mm -hmm. movie and yet created an interesting romantic interplay between them that Mm -hmm. that did move. Because like you said, she shouldn't it makes sense for her to be reacting in different ways to an extent you know i I just thought that was a really clever way that they did that yeah and i think she sensed in him the honesty like i wrote there isn't a great explanation as to why uh rita accepts his avowal of love because when they're dancing or i can't remember when he says i love you and she's like, I think I love you too. And it's like, what? where did that come from? I said, is it different because it's without artifice? Is it because he really is happy? Is it because he doesn't want anything from her? Like she's picking up on the fact that he's not seeking anything from her in a way that he was before. I don't hmm. know. Is the plural of artifice artify? Probably. Artifices. <laughs> Well, Perhaps. isn't that kind of the, the speaking of what you're saying, Sarah, the central kind of point of the movie is to like just give out unto the universe and good will come back to you to some extent? I mean, like, see, the, I didn't think that was it. Really? That's mm-hmm. not what you took out of it? No. Oh, okay. Only you're free evil to begin with. Yeah. Then, then you can switch to good. and get better. <laughs> That's right. You got to start low. But I was, well, I took. I took a lot of philosophy in college and I was really into existentialism, the idea of existentialism, which is like Hemingway's whole premise in in his novels and Camus, Albert Camus. And existentialism kind of 
revolves around the myth of Sisyphus. Do you guys know the myth of Sisyphus? On what planet do you know? I would know myth of Sisyphus. 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 There's a a Red Bull commercial about Sisyphus. So I thought maybe you'd seen the Red Bull commercial. I don't know. He is the man who is forever doomed to roll a rock up a hill only to have it roll back down. And that's his... That is his punishment. He, he wasn't from the, gods. the guy looking for a light under the basket, was he? No, that's Tantalus. That's, that's a different guy. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? A light under the basket? Yeah, the the guy looking for truth, the one. Oh no, that's different. Tantalus was stuck between like the low hanging fruit that he could never reach. Why was it called low hanging then? Because <laughs> it was tantalizing him. <laughs> Tantalus. Tantalus. And then Narcissus is the one who looked into the stream and loved his reflection so much he got stuck there and became a flower. That's why there's a Narcissus that blooms in the spring. Mm-hmm. So then what did you take out of this movie then? So kind Sisyphus. Of <clears throat> Sisyphus rolls a rock up a hill. Just clearly a call for it, more wine. <laughs> <laughs> only to have it roll back down onto on over him or at least roll back down the hill. Mm-hmm. And then he forever has to push that rock back up the hill. And at least Hemingway and in, in a lot of existential philosophers like Kierkegaard, not Kierkegaard, what's his name? Nietzsche. Claim, Friedrich? Yeah, you know him. <laughs> yeah, I've met him. <laughs> um, that that is the fate of man. That we are forever rolling a rock up a hill. We live these habitual pattern lives. We cannot break out of them. We know we are going to die. You know, every life ends in death, and yet we continue to live. We continue to roll that rock up the hill. We continue to go to work every day. We continue to do things, even though in the end, it doesn't really matter, right? But the heroism comes into it because as people, we choose to do it anyway, basically. Even though we know our lives will end in death, we choose to continue rolling that rock up the hill and there's a beautiful kind of heroism in that choice and basically we make our own meaning in our lives in that daily choice to roll that rock so meaning is not ascent you know meaning is not given in our lives you know meaning is not given by god there are christian existentialists and meaning is given by how you choose to live your life and what you choose to do with it Justin, if I'm up on the roof, just come and get come and get me. <laughs> I'm just saying. So that that so it's a very Sisyphean point Sisyphean. of view. Sisyphean. Sisyphean. <laughs> right? Not, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I like mine better because it's happier. I don't think it's ha- well, it's happier, but it's horseshit. <laughs> I mean, you're just feeding yourself. Um. Judgy McJuggers. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm saying like there is a beauty in in the knowing of of your life, you yeah. know. So except for death. That's what I'm saying. Everyone knows they're going to die, and yet here we are all choosing to carry on. So that's I think what he had to accept about life, that he wasn't a god. Mm. That he couldn't find joy in being an asshole, that he couldn't find joy in just doing whatever and having sex with anyone and being deceitful, that the only joy he really found in his life was in 
helping others and being, you know, almost in denial of himself in, in being selfless and, and being there for other people, which is why all those religious people wrote emails mm. to Harold Ramis, because it's about looking beyond yourself. And a lot of, at least Buddhists say the only way to happiness is denial of self and, you know, staying in the present and finding happiness in, in what you can do, not who you are, basically. Hmm. I wonder if Buddhists play golf. I'm sure if they're invited. Yeah, that, that straighten them right up. <laughs> you have to be kind of of zen to be able to keep yourself straight after you hit a horrible shot. I know what that's like. <laughs> Brian said that you are the angriest person he's ever played golf with. Fifteen seconds at a time, <laughs> and I'm right back to my normal self. I played. I, so I played golf with somebody today, an old buddy of mine. And he said, the first time you got mad, you just scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. And now I realize you're just going to, you're just going to be uber angry for 15 <laughs> seconds and you'll be right back being Patrick la, Paul la, again. La. Yeah. <laughs> Used to do that. I remember watching you play squash and you would yell at yourself and Same I'd be like, Ooh, and then I got used to it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I still have a mark from where I bit myself once. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Was that squash? Yeah, think I'm kidding. I'm not. You have a mark where you bit yourself? Oh my God. Yeah. I just got so mad. That you bit yourself? Was that squash? Ooh. I think I remember that one. Yeah. If you don't play squash much anymore. <laughs> That's yeah. not because of the biting. Nah, because the knees went bad. Nah, the biting was fine. <laughs> Two very different definitions of fun. <laughs> it was fine. One thing I did like, we'll get back now. Let's get back into if it, how it maybe some of the romantic comedy elements, if there are okay. any. We're out of existential. Yeah, let's get out of existentialism. <laughs> that was 300 bucks trip. a credit hour. Go ahead. <laughs> Probably more, honestly. <laughs> uh, I did like, though, that they kept Annie McDowell was almost his like touch point. He just kept coming back to her, speaking to her, going, doing some other things. Like he kept coming back to her at each yeah, of those stages. She was always so, his, yeah. So that it wasn't like. Yeah, and so like, so they were again developing a relationship, even though she didn't know it, like mm-hmm. you said, or in that there was no truth. He was almost listen, like using her as like a litmus. Yeah, test. yeah, but again, you also saw then the fact so that she had to turn colors. Mm-hmm. I see. And then the fact <laughs> that she would, uh, it was such a, I would say, decently written character that she would change with the different you know things he was saying to her. You did see a relationship develop, even though, again, like one person didn't change and kept getting Mm -hmm. reset. I don't know. I thought that was just kind of interesting. The idea of, you know, approaching someone at different points in your mindset in your life. And if this really was over 10,000 days or 10,000 years, whatever it may be, you know, that 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 that, that's the other thing that got me about this. I started thinking if you had no interactions with people that they remembered, that they remembered, Mm -hmm. wouldn't that that's. On the surface, isn't too scary. But once you dive into it, that is frighteningly isolated. Oh yeah. I mean, it didn't blow up his mind because he he learned and grew every day. But yeah. Everybody else went back to ground zero. But I would think you you never really have an interaction yeah, with a person that lasted. Feel so all... lonely. Yeah. To just be right. How back. about you? You you mentioned Andy. Um, 
How about her face in the diner scenes where he tells her exactly what Chris Elliott's going to say know. when he comes? We better get going really, if we're going to get ahead of the weather. That's really good acting. Yeah. And I don't know mm-hmm. squat about acting, except when you She's see something good. like that and you go, that's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, her, her being so surprised that. Uh, well, and you know they have to do. Word by word. Yeah. You and know they have so to do those so, scenes. And that's going to crash, and that's yeah. She follows right along, mm-hmm. yeah. but you know they have to. You know intellectually they have to do those scenes over and over again because that's just what movies are. But it's interesting to see them doing them over and over again, and you have to be a good actor to to be able to keep doing that. You know, yeah. It's like, here we go again. Oh, you I know, we had a movie filmed right up the street here. I know. And I am sad that you didn't tell me because I would have gone and like stood there watching them awkwardly or tried oh. to be an extra because it was a it was a romance. It was um, one of those holiday romance. Yeah, it was movies. a Hallmark Christmas movie. And uh, yeah, I think you, were you in Michigan? You might have been. Probably. I think yeah. you were traveling. It was right when you got back because you furiously texted me about there being fake snow on the ground. Well, that was... I think it was filmed while I was in Michigan, but it was right when I got back that I yeah, found I mean, out. Yeah, it was like it. over. It had just. Well, I didn't want to tell when you were yeah. gone, or you'd be upset to beat the band. But what struck me there, and knowing nothing about making movies, was mm-hmm. how many times they made this poor sap walk up with a guitar <laughs> while the girl came out of the house that he was romancing, and he had to go sing this song. Like we stood there like twelve takes in a row, cut. Reset. Shoot it again. He walks back, walks up, does the same thing. She walks oh out of the God. house, holding her little sister's hand with her heart over, her hand over her heart, cut. Like, oh, my uh, God. Oh, makes you feel like human interactions. And like then I robotic. walk the dogs. This was like at 8 at night. And then the next morning, I walk the dogs at 6 a.m. And all the extras are out drinking Rheingeist and half drunk, tearing down oh the set. No. So <laughs> kind of fun to see. But it makes you wonder what, you know, how many yeah. scenes, how many Friggin' scenes yeah. that these people shoot in a row. And I guess it depends on the Angles. director, too. Yeah. Like, I know Clint Eastwood is famous for only having one take, maybe mm. two. Oh, is that right? And there's somebody who does so many that he drives people insane. Well, Stanley Kubrick was notorious that was for him. doing that. Yeah. yeah. But especially in this movie. He made movie, Jack Nicholson like well, Shelley crazy. Du- Shelley Duvall, he, would, he was borderline he abusive to her until yeah. she cried. Yeah. At... Uh, the uh, shining. Sh- the shinning. The shinning. Yeah. <laughs> no, but speaking of well, what you're saying. the blood usually gets up on the third floor. <laughs> speaking of what you're saying, if the so those extras that were on that scene that you watched, they only had to do that like the you know the normal amount to get one good take. Now look at this movie where there's like the Ned Ryerson yeah. scene. They had to do that, that many takes and then for one do of the that scenes, and then do it again for the next interaction. The next, I can't yes. imagine. It's like Groundhog's Day. It, uh, it had to be. Absolutely. Well, I guess Bill Murray at one point went and bought the townspeople before the Ned Ryerson takes. Like they started all that. All the extras were around, and he was just like, "We got to get these people some, oh God, some Danishes. These people need Danishes." And he ran into like the local bakery and was no like, "Give me three hundred Danishes." And Aww. the Ned Ryerson, the guy played Ned Ryerson. I can't think of his name. All of a sudden, he, Stephen uh, Tobolsky. Yeah, he said that they were just like throwing Total Danishes Tablowski. to everybody in the area. Oh my god, that, you know. that sounds like Murray. And you know, uh, Murray was so dispassionate as well when he was getting the old man soup i know the old man who would later die he would just push Push another bowl toward him but he he never it was like it was bill murray the actor not bill murray the goofball Mm. which was he wasn't engaging really fun for me to see him a side of him that 
I had never seen because I was just bought into him being a goofy, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, wild man. Did you see Lost in Translation? I did. Yeah. Did yeah. you like it? I did. I really did. I really did like it. He yeah. says that's his favorite film. I can believe it. He was really good. But again, he, so he, good. I don't think he cracked a smile in that movie. No. Well, when was they were Scarlet, running around. Scarlett Johansson? Yeah. Scarjo. <laughs> Scario. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when they were having fun, that was when they were together, that seemed to be the only time that they were having fun. But apparently he he really connected with that movie because he had just gotten very... Um, What's the word? Not amicably. What's the opposite of amicably? Not amicable. Yes, a very <laughs> not amicable divorce a few years before that movie. So he really felt a lot of that. And you know, Jim Murphy, uh, my old business partner, went to school with the Murrays. Really? Yeah, in Chicago. Huh. He he. Jim tells the story. He said when his uh, when he came home from like sixth grade, his dad pulled him in and he said, "Hey." Son, whatever you do, stay away from those Murray boys. They're trouble. Oh, no. <laughs> and he's regretted listening to that ever since. Yeah. <laughs> they had a short-lived TV show in Comedy Central, I, and I cannot think of the name, but it was just Bill Murray playing golf with his brothers and goofing off. Oh, no, I'd love to see it, that. And I cannot remember, but I, I swear to God, it was like a... I, I, very short run of episodes because like, I remember, almost like a second mm. city kind of a deal, or, or I think it was even less structured. No, than I think it like was, a funnier dive. No, um, I don't even think it was meant to be comedy. I think it was literally Bill Murray and his brothers golfing. They happen to have a camera with them. I mean, because they're yeah. all hysterical guys. So Brian Doyle, who is the other one? Was it? Was there another? Is a Sean Doyle? I mean, a Sean Murray. Mm. Brian Doyle was the mayor, right? He was the MC who choked Buster. on the. Uh, His name choked... is Buster. Buster, Just short like and the fat. Little fat dog. <laughs> uh, the TV show was called The Sweet Spot. It was in 2002, and according to IMDb, there was a one episode of it. Uh, That's it, was, it. It was Bill, Brian, Joel, and John Murray. <laughs> oh, four episodes. There were four episodes in 2002. Hmm. So. Huh. I highly suggest finding the sweet spot. It has a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb, so that's not bad for four episodes and getting canceled. Hmm. I wonder if that's on Netflix. I'll have to dig that up. That'd be that'd be fun to watch. He's actually a pretty it, good golfer it says, for as much as he goofs around. Really? He's, he's a pretty hmm. good player. It says it's a documentary travel log. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Well, doesn't he own doesn't he own a couple Caddyshack themed bars? Yeah, too? there's one like, in Jacksonville that he owns with his brothers. And then at one point, he owned a part of a minor league baseball team that he did. Yeah. That's correct. He's still and he may he's still on their roster as the team psychiatrist. Well, and then if I if I remember right, <laughs> if I remember right, there's something goofy about it. Like there is a barber chair on the first base area, and then a hot tub on the third baseline. Oh, like I just remember there were some goofy things about it where it was. <laughs> You know, the, the so I even put, I had an online dating profile and I put under likes just, you know, like the only like I think I put was the films of Bill Murray and just left it at that. It's like, that's pretty much all you need to know. Mm. And Stephanie still brings that up and she's like, you don't really watch Bill Murray movies. I'm like, I don't watch Bill Murray movies with you. You're not ready yet. <laughs> you earn Bill Murray movies. <laughs> well, she didn't mind her in philosophy. So. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't get the Sisyphean nature of Bill Murray's career. <laughs> 
I love Bill Murray. Did you ever hear the story about him at, again, I just things you read online. I don't actually know Bill Murray, but he, he was at South by Southwest and it's, it sounds like a joke, like a, like a, the beginning of a, you know, whatever, uh, Bill Murray and two members of the Wu-Tang Clan walk into a bar <laughs> and I guess they just walked into a bar at South by Southwest and went, we're going to be bartenders for an hour and <laughs> two members of the Wu-Tang Clan and Bill Murray got behind a bar and from what I've read, no matter what anyone ordered, he would only give them shots of tequila. <laughs> so funny. I thought that was... I love that. Oh, yeah. I also have to temper everyone's love of Bill Murray by being a total downer tonight and saying that his wife filed divorce under charges of physical abuse, emotional abuse, adultery, and abandonment. So I don't think he's like maybe that great like as a personal marriage person <laughs> and considering how can you be mad at Harold Ramis for years and years and years he was one of your best friends there's some problematic things about Murray but he's definitely a fun well, I mean he's, fun an, in, guy. he's an intent you, you can see there's an intensity yeah. there just yeah how does that translate mm-hmm. elsewhere in life he apparently has no agent and no publicist and just a phone number where people can leave messages pitching him movies. And then he'll decide whether he'll call you back or not. <laughs> That's how he does his his movie choices. What was the one up in, uh, was it Michigan or Wisconsin, the lake movie with uh, the Boy Scout? Rushmore? No. Oh, Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When he he did the Garfield movie, at least from what I read, mm-hmm. because he misread who was involved in it, and for some reason <laughs> no. thought like the Cohen brothers or someone was. Oh no! <laughs> at least again, you read these stories online, and who really even knows? Was no. this was that uh, animated? Yes. Yeah. Well, he anim- plays Garfield. Well, Garfield was animated. It was Garfield in the real world, right? Yeah, he's animated. So the cat's animated, but everybody else is real. Is real. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So okay. So back to. The movie. <laughs> so he goes through all he goes through all the stages, and you know, we one of the best interactions is with Ned Ryerson, which mm-hmm. starts out, you know, it's a, someone from high school he knew, but he didn't really know him, and the guy's trying to sell him life insurance, and then throughout the movie, that really really mimics your stages because he goes from being <laughs> pseudo nice to him to punching him to pretending he's in love with him to pretending he's in love with him and then finally buying lots of insurance from him and all that (laughs) what you're doing (laughs) you could take the rest of the afternoon (laughs) well he said the interview with um steven tobolowski he said that he went into the interview and just told the people all right listen i'm gonna go for it like tell me to walk out of the room if you don't like it i'm just i'm swinging for the fences and that's where he came with the (laughs) phil or yeah phil yeah phil and uh, Bang. And that laugh he does at the end when he, at the, mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught it when he. <laughs> Watch the, that first step. It's a deal. Well, no, not that one. It's it's at the end where he sells in the insurance. He's talking to Annie McDowell. It's like, this is the best day of my life. Where are we going? She's like, I don't want to ruin the, the secret. Yeah. Yeah. She walks away. And Let's goes, not ah. ruin the surprise. I get that. And he makes like a cat laugh. He's like, ah. Oh, yeah. It, it's enough that it stuck with me. Yeah. So. I thought he's he was great. He was great in it too. He's so great. It, you know, it, it's so as he goes through. Like we said, he he goes through a part where he chases women. He gets women. He goes through a part where he's uh, robbing banks and and all this and that. He goes through a part where he um, help me out here. Ultimately, just he realizes he steals the groundhog. Oh yeah, who bites oh, him twice. Gosh. Yeah. Did you? They bred. And he lets him drive. Yeah. Don't they, drive angry. 
they bred those groundhogs specifically for the movie. Oh, they, really? They went to a guy, Harold Ramis said in the little extras thing that... Oh, my. Yeah, so that they went to an animal guy and he was like, oh, mm. yeah, yeah, I, you know, it'd probably be best for me just to breed you. I have a breeding pair. It's probably best Aww. I just breed you groundhogs. And they had like... A, several groundhogs i can't wow. remember the name of the one main one <laughs> it was with an s like skip or something and uh, yeah it bit Aww. through bill murray's glove at the end of the day of filming for that tr- the yeah, driving the truck scene. it bit him twice while filming and that's when they knew it was time to be done for the day harold ramus said yeah and then he eventually realizes that i i don't that's the part i liked about is i was really trying i was okay so the thing you naturally do in this movie a movie like this is you put yourself in their shoes and you're going well what would i be doing and what i ultimately kind of came to is the same thing he did like personal betterment just for the sake of why not like nothing else is really going on um and i started going through like all the things i would probably do but it became I, personal betterment was the second to last stage. yeah yeah and then it became altruism well yeah but i'm just saying like i'm kind of running through what i mm-hmm. i I'm just saying that when I was thinking of ways that I would try to have fun or better oh, myself, yeah, better it it was really tough for me because if everything resets at the end of the day, that really limits what you can do. Because like, presumably any sort of like wanting to physically better yourself, like you're not going to run a marathon because I'd assume that your oh, body your resets. Body resets. <laughs> I would assume. Yeah. So physically you can't do much. Yeah. Um, Never stated. I would, but I would. Well, he says, like, I when he's eating all that food, he's like, I can eat whatever I want. And he's if he like, kills himself in his reset, yeah, that almost would. Well, then I wonder, would muscle memory play to that? Like, could you get better at a golf swing, or could you get good yeah. at batting? I mean, cages, apparently, or? because he can play the piano. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that's a good point. So I don't uh, know, I but like, I like building and making things, or mm-hmm. even if you want to get into painting, you're really limited to like. What can you make in X amount of hours? You can't yeah. like do it, walk away and come back to a project. So it really seemed like, that's true. you know, learning an instrument, becoming well-read. He, it, someone calls him doctor and he says it's an honorary <laughs> title. So he obviously learned at least some rudimentary medical knowledge. Like those are really the things I was setting on. I couldn't think of anything outside of those. Hmm. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you worry if you... When you woke up and you thought, well, what if tomorrow when I wake up, it really is the next day? <laughs> right. Like he bought all that life insurance from Stephen And I just made some Ned serious Ryerson. mistakes instead of just being like, you don't know when it's going to end yeah. and you don't know if it's tomorrow or you don't know right. if it's 10,000 days from now. So yeah. what what risks do you take by overbuying insurance or mm. learning to play an instrument and you burned all that day learning to play an instrument you're never going to play and then you got to go back to pittsburgh so yeah he was in a bad spot that's let's all agree (laughs) i agree (laughs) all right so to get back to the rom-com elements if we're gonna try to Mm -hmm. rom-com this the meet cute would be them meeting in pittsburgh and it was really cute when it's called a meet cute when the two main characters meet it's usually in a rom-com it's like a cute cute thing so it's called a meet cute where did harry and sally meet cute they were college friends that was never a, a real thing it's a little bit of a well, give me a meet cute i would know given that i don't watch movies anything from house i know i'm trying to think <laughs> and they're trying to solve a, a terrible disease together um, it's not sarcoidosis. <laughs> it's not lupus. 
You ever watch House? <laughs> yes, and I've seen a decent amount. Of that. Okay. What I can't Anyhow, think of go, a classic go, go, meet go back, cute. Go back to the meet, um, meet cute. Oh, for... have you seen? You've seen Roman Holiday? No. Oh shit. Have you seen Sleepless in Seattle? Mm. Have you seen While You Were Sleeping? Mm. <laughs> this isn't going well. <laughs> uh, shallow, shallow how? No, no way. I sometimes it's on cable. It's you know it's one of those usually like boy meets girl things like and they're both smitten or or it's it's just a humorous way two characters meet for the first time sometimes it's like bumping into each other and papers go everywhere and they kind of pick up it's just like a memorable Um, first meet what was the bill murray movie the christmas scrooged Mm-hmm. Would that meet cute be when he and is it Karen Davis mm-hmm. bump into each other and she he ends yeah. up being called lumpy? Would that be a meet yes. cute? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, I, my thumb is up. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, so that's when she it's her first day as a producer and she's on the green screen, like looking at herself in the um, on the map. Thing and she must be wearing green because you can only see her hands mm-hmm. and her head and she's like flapping her fingers open mm-hmm. and closed and he's like who is that because he's kind of making fun of her you know mm-hmm. I also love when she's like well maybe you should think he finally tells her like I think I'm God I know all this stuff and she stays with him the whole day and she's like well maybe you should think of this as a positive thing you know you're learning so much about the area and yourself and he just looks at her and he goes gosh you're an upbeat lady <laughs> she's like "Mm -hmm." that's such a great line the reason they can't be together slash the conflict is he's a terrible misanthrope and he keeps reliving the same day over and over again but i think and and i think that's an interesting when we classify this it is a supernatural movie it is but by by our classification if we were going off of what the kind of turn is that keeps like the flavor that's added to why they're apart Mm -hmm. the the day isn't what keeps them apart by any means. It's him. It's him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's his, yeah. his choices and his personality. Him being a butt. Yeah. It's just usually when we've arrived at or seen a movie where it, there is a supernatural element of some type, that's used usually as the driving force that keeps them apart. And in this right. instance, it's not. I just, I thought that was In this a, instance, he almost needs that to, to draw them together. <laughs> to, to eventually be able to be the kind of person that she needs or you know deserves well, there's, there's no real there's no real point to the movie unless he gets to be a better person right mm-hmm. otherwise it's just kind of a movie anything. about a jerk yeah <laughs> a, would you call this a bildungsroman absolutely it is a bildungsroman it's a german word that basically means it's a coming of age story or a um a character you Ooh. know a self self-realizing Enlightenment. character so we brought up the jerk on Sunday when Laney was here mm-hmm. to where he hates those cans. I've actually never seen the jerk. <laughs> my, my hands, audience, my hands are up to my temples rubbing. Them. <laughs> I blame you. Why did Laney see it and not me? This is my little sister. I don't know. What happened? Anyhow, if you go watch that scene with he the cans, cans, it is an unbelievably Good scene. Right. Yeah, in all the Murray movies we mentioned, what about Bob? Baby steps on the bus. Baby steps. 
Does that have uh, Richard Dreyfuss? Yes. In it? Yeah, I did, I, did see, I did see that movie. Oh, <laughs> sorry, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I, I love that movie. Also, never seen it. Oh, it's a great one. <laughs> it is a good movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm showing my, uh, <laughs> my ignorance. <laughs> yeah, my little sister's seen it. Uh, it's those cans. <laughs> he hates those cans. We'll have to see it now. You must go, at least go watch that. Go, go uh, YouTube that. All right. Um, the, the last kind of big thing of this movie that's very important for a rom-com is the location. Oh yeah. It's another character. In it this. is huge. I mean, you, this movie would not be the same without Punxsutawney. Yeah. Pennsylvania. Because of its size? Because of what it is. Because of Groundhog Day. Because of the down home country people, you know, and well, he's stuck in a place that he they follow that in San Diego? Do you think they check to see if the groundhog sees a shadow yeah oh i would where it's 75 degrees year round and perfectly sunny i think they yeah i think they do you put me anywhere on this earth i'm keeping up with punxsutawney film yeah but you're you're from you're from you're willing to drive through the the middle of the night in ohio yeah (laughs) we live in ohio i don't know um i would think it's a goofy cultural thing i mean just, yeah it's, they it's said almost that ubiquitous punxsutawney has now become a huge tourist destination since that movie because of, even though it's not actually in the movie yeah even though it's in woodstock illinois oh well oh woodstock illinois not new york yeah woodstock illinois oh my gosh mm-hmm. well they have a sign up next to the place where bill murray stepped in that water that says bill murray stepped here <laughs> <laughs> But speaking of what your dad just said, okay, say that you could find an event in a large city that was comparable to this. I don't think it would. No, and it wouldn't because like too much. Yeah, because if that's one of the reasons he hates it. Well, be in New York. Yeah, be in New York for ten thousand days or two ten thousand years. I'm pretty sure you could find something different to do every single day versus kind of here. Eventually, Mm -hmm. wears the path thin and has to. You're gonna know everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that. That's that lovely man from the AAA. <laughs> from the from the auto, what was it? Auto, automotive, autom, automobile auto society? <laughs> auto club. I just happened to have the Jack and Tire here. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's an earthquake. She's like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, okay, so would Chris Elliott be the sassy side friend? He's kind of the only side what, friend. Sassy side friend? Yeah, yeah. most rom-coms, the main character has a sassy side friend. Yeah, I'd say so, because he comes and goes, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of small quips mm-hmm. and things. Prima Donna. When I, he... love him, I love him dancing. <laughs> Was it with Nancy? <laughs> well, she's dancing like all sexy, and then he tries to put his arm around her like this, and she's like... When he does that slow turn during the Bachelor auction. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, that was... Heavy, heavy midsection, big butt, and they're like two pence. <laughs> there wasn't a precocious child of any no type, precocious child. One cameo that's like pre-famous cameo. Michael Shannon plays Fred, the newlywed. Really? Yeah. Who's Michael no Shannon? Way. He's he's known for playing like kind of he kind of reminds me of Ray Liotta. He's known for playing these very hard characters mean he was in the new uh serious Super... serious role well, he's in the new superman he was yeah uh what, what was the he was in six feet under is what really got him. what wasn't he wasn't no he that's peter krauss okay um michael shannon was in um 
Oh my god, why am I blanking so hard? I just looked him up on Shape of Water was a recent Yeah, he was he was He made his debut in Groundhog Day Mm -hmm. as a wedding groom. He has such a definitive like jaw and really bulgy eyes that I was like, Oh my god, I know who that is. And I was very happy. But what's his famous like Oh Kangaroo Jack. Good fellas. That's right. Yes. He's unsettling to me. I know. He's very... Like Shape of Water, he was... Woof. I didn't see Shape of Water. It, it's worth seeing. I check it out. It's But he's... Boardwalk v- Empire. That's what yeah, I was okay. thinking. It, was that the HBO show? Mm-hmm. With, With uh, the... Steve Buscemi? Mm-hmm. I kept thinking Carnival, and that's what was... Yeah. Carnival, but yeah, another HBO Barbie, Bobby... Steve Buscemi. Cannibal so I brought up on the golf course today. I said, if we, if we ever get another dog, Carol wants to name it Donnie. <laughs> so you have she can say, shut the fuck up donnie <laughs> which is so good because uh, she does not like dogs very much not at all <laughs> you know i've been to the lebowski fest twice have you really oh i'll bet that's fun there did you drink a, a ton of white russian i was i was it was this was like 18 and 19 so i didn't oh. uh but there was a picture of the back of my shirt in a rolling stone uh, i made a Yay. shirt that on the back said eight-year-olds dude and uh where did you get where is that they do them all over now but when we first did it they were only doing them in louisville kentucky but now they move them around i think they actually had one in columbus a few years ago and i mean literally you go you watch the movie one night and the next night they rent a bowling alley and everybody just gets here and there's like a there's a documentary on i think netflix about it and it's kind of interesting i don't know we had a fun time uh, your shirt probably Tied the magazine together. <laughs> it you was really held it together. We, we bought undershirts, but like mediums for some reason. So it did not go. It did not cover my entire midsection. We all looked. We all looked terrible. <laughs> oh, no. uh, it was tied tie played... the room together. I'm giving. I got it. I'm I giving. Like I'm it. giving. Yeah. Um, we uh, watched Whoa. it and drank a white Russian every time they drink. Every time oh. you see them drink a white Russian, you drink one, and then we all threw up. It was. Mm. You don't don't do that. Okay, so what? So do we hit kind of all the okay the jobs of, of the protagonists? They're both in TV. That's a very rom commy thing. It, yeah, close to. Is there a montage? There's. I consider it kind of a couple. There was a small slapping montage. Oh yeah. It yeah, wasn't yeah. like the normal, very fast paced musical mm-hmm. montage, the entire but movie there was. Kind of... Oh, or she keeps sitting him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I consider that. Yeah, I do have slapping montage written in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there's all these elements to a rom com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what we're kind of we're slowly adding to them and taking away and tweaking as we go that's it has a good a soundtrack yeah it really does but it's it has a polka yes it's not the beer beer barrel no it's the and it's the groundhog polka yeah that's what it is yeah i grew up on polka music uh we've talked about this it's all coming around because you grew up on polka i used to go to polka fest every summer justin is super polish his last name is mikowski and with a z and a k and all that as polish as you can get yeah that's right and i love polka i broke my sister's accordion when i was little I have a friend that collects accordions but does not know how to play them. My friend Brad. They're hard to play. But yeah. Co- but his and lo- and Grandpa decided that Aunt Kathy needed to play the accordion. Like, That's this fantastic. is the instrument you will play now. Oh, man. <laughs> but let me say again, because I don't think it landed with you guys. His wife 
permits him somehow to collect accordions, mm. but he doesn't play them. But he has a collection of accordions. That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's always baffled me. I'm just thinking still about the you usurped our story to to tell your story. So I'm trying to get back, back to, to our story. story. Okay. <laughs> I'm, well, I've told my story enough. Well, it's I not your story. Yeah. No. But I like good. your story too. Yes, but then <laughs> Dad decided Kathy. to break the accordion for with some a reason. plastic bowling pin <laughs> oh wait you didn't like break it picking up and playing with it how no, you, no, you, no, I just, I you wanted to destroy something beautiful of tired <laughs> of the accordion <laughs> like this accordion that's fantastic I've always, I've always been a little angry <laughs> Brian says it comes out in me when I'm driving that I I apparently act like you you drive angry apparently I <laughs> I was waiting for these people to pull out of this spot at the movie the other night and they were being really dumb and I had to get over and I said this is so stupid I hate when people can't take care of their own shit like getting out of their own parking spot stupid idiots and I pulled in the spot <laughs> and I pulled in and I said I don't suffer fools well and Brian said yeah that's your dad <laughs> I was just so annoyed yeah, poor Brian. Yeah, no. Aww. At least he has a golf buddy. Right. So we hit all the all of our big our big kind of things. Uh, a lot of physical comedy. But yeah, a lot so, of physical comedy. Yeah. Example. Him fall. Him stepping in that puddle every every single day. Her slapping him. Um, the Fa- Ned Ryerson falling off the roof. Well, yeah, that's kind of suicidal, but the uh, up in the tree. Yeah, the kid falling and him catching him. Um, him throwing the toaster in the... I mean, there's probably more physical comedy in this than almost any other than yeah. Shallow Hal, maybe. Yeah. Like, very... But this is one of those movies, like, the early 90s, again, were not nearly as, I feel like, body conscious as so many of the later movies have been, where you can look these people pretty much look like normal people. Yeah, they all look like normal. Like people. obviously, yeah. Andy McDowell is beautiful, but even she didn't have like I could everything I, perfect. If I saw know? Andy McDowell walk past me in the grocery store, I'd probably think like, yeah, that's a very pretty lady, mm-hmm. and then I'd keep going. Not like if I don't know Catherine uh, Heigl. <laughs> yeah, if Catherine Heigl walked by me, I think I'd yeah. have a heart attack. Or Heidi Klum. Who is she? Uh, she's in a ton of rom-coms. She's in Grey's Anatomy. Was what got her. She's in Twenty Seven Dresses and Oh, uh, that was your first. Uh, that was your first rom-com. Yeah. yeah, The Ugly Truth. Yeah, so this kind of fits the screwball comedy element mm-hmm. as well. And I mean, it fits so pretty much all three of the subgenres we've named, which is like the deceit subgenre, like where you're, you know, it hinges on him trying to... Part of it, a chunk of it, but then he comes clean, yeah. but it's in such a way that... Right. It, I mean, none of them fit perfectly. Yeah, it's a yeah, supernatural yeah, yeah, sure. as well, but not in the same Yeah, but that's not way. what keeps them apart. It drives them more together. Like and then it's saying. also a screwball comedy yeah. with all the physical comedy and, you know, all that. Well, I mean, then would you call it a romantic comedy? Would you put, if you had to put... It's tough because it does end in romance. Yeah. And it's their coming together that seems to break him out of this cycle. Mm. He, he finally gets to be the person, he finally becomes the person who is worthy of her. Mm. In that, But I don't know if it's because he's worthy of her because he's found himself or he's he's finally happy he said in that last day i don't i don't care what happens with us 
I just want to be here with you because right now I'm happy. And maybe it's just that he's finally accepted the present. Denial of self. Yeah, or not, you know, denial of of the future. Because all he ever has is that same day over and over. Any favorite scenes? I mean, I sentimentally really like when he's reading to her and she's falling asleep. Apparently he took that from his wedding night. His wife had too much champagne and he read to her. She was asleep and he read to her until he fell asleep, which is very sweet. I like that. I like the sentimental Murray. It reminded me of Lost in Translation when he whispers to her and you you don't really hear it audibly mm. and they've never released what he said. Yeah. But it's just so like moving. Mm. It's good. I like the whole last scene where he's not the last scene, but the where he's playing the piano. She walks yeah. in, he's playing the piano and then <laughs> That's his brother. My student. And all. Yeah, that it that that whole scene was just fun. It's so good. And he and extended out even further. That whole day part of the scene where he's cutting yeah. the ice sculpture. and Wasn't that the ice sculpture that same day? That was that earlier. earlier day? Okay. Yeah. Well, at least when they all come in and he's, you know, where's Phil at? Oh, he's already in there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was. I like when he just goes downstairs and grabs the toaster with all the toast in it and just brings it right back upstairs. <laughs> no, the, the beautiful part is all the toast is in <laughs> yeah. And before he throws it in, he puts the toast down. Does he? And then he tosses it in the back. <laughs> It's such a beautiful thing that all the all the breads and toast. It's so great. That's such good attention to detail. I know. It's not just he's going to kill himself. He's going to take all the toast. He's got the bread with him, and people were waiting on that. They're sitting there in this bed and breakfast, waiting on their toast. He takes it. It's so good. I also love the Jeopardy scene too because mm. I'm a huge Jeopardy fan. What was the Jeopardy? What was the? He's sitting really depressed in an easy chair and in like. Is he, is he answering every? And he's like, yeah. like Kaka and they look at him, <laughs> and then right, and then right before, um, even before the clue starts, he just turns and goes. I can't remember what he says, but I know at one point he says, "Seneca Lake," <laughs> and as and they're just looking at him. Like, <laughs> I remember that. Now. Yeah. So then one to ten, like we always do. What was your favorite? Oh, you already told me. Yeah, yeah. JK. But so like if you had to put, we always say one to ten, ten be or one being like a horror movie because horror movies don't contain traditionally any of the elements in a romantic comedy. Ten being you've got mail. Where would you put this? I think we're going to be very different in this one. Hmm. I'm going to, well, Dad, do you want to go first since you're the guest? No, because I, I probably I probably don't fit the uh, the structure as an outlier. I would honestly probably give it like a five and a half, okay. maybe a six. Yeah, we're going to be real different in this one. Okay. Wow. Honestly, well. Are you rating it on rom-com attributes we're, we're, or just the movie? In no, we're just, it, it's not a how much we like it. It's a how, how much of a, do we feel it fits the mold of a rom-com? Is this yeah. a romantic comedy or is this yeah, just so a I, funny I probably movie need to be with, cut out of this part. I honestly, I'm going to disagree with you. And maybe it's just because you were looking at it from like, you know, you have a philosophical background mm-hmm. and I was not viewing it in that type of way that you were quite as much. Sure. Um, I mean, I was aware of the elements, but by no means do I know Sisyphus and all of these things <laughs> like you do. Existential. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, to me, the, the elements were all kind of there. And really, there was romance 
throughout it when he kept coming back to her. Yeah. Because each of those touches had an element of getting to know each other better, but in a different way, like we kind of talked about. Um, And I thought that was an inventive approach to it. It had a good soundtrack. (laughs) It had the city and all that. I genuinely am calling this like a nine for me. Oh, wow. And the... uh, See, I think it's more like Shallow How. It's it's a building's Roman about a guy that also involves romance. See, I I I think that too. And they spend so much time away from her. They they do, but he keeps coming back to her with a lot of consistency to it, and it's yeah. at each beat. And I do agree, it is a building's Roman. That's Roman, mm-hmm. but Roman. like the noodles, yeah, building's <laughs> Parmigiano. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I do agree, it's very much that. But I think it hit every other element hmm. and i think there was a lot more romance in it than i remembered i guess i was coming back to it as well having seen it hmm. a while ago all right and, people email us your point of view yeah or facebook because i could see this one being somewhat divisive i because I, I think it's thought of it's frank, as a frank yankovic was the pennsylvania polka that's yeah. what it was the pennsylvania polka oh well, wasn't, that his, wasn't that weird i was uncle he, was that I uncle? Don't I don't think know. it was father. I it's not it his a... dad, I know. Yeah. But I don't know beyond that. But um, I think people just love this as a comedy. Yeah. So maybe they're not used to seeing it as a rom-com. I think if you watch it under the guise of, is this a rom-com? Hmm. I think you'd be surprised what jumps out at you. Hmm. Oh, and yeah. I'll say that much. I will um, go. I will go for that. But if we're doing some sort of sliding scale between rom and com, yes, it's way over on the com. Yeah, yeah, it's heavier on the com. But I think there's yeah. a lot more rom than you would. But yeah. you are correct. It is mostly com. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Going through my notes, just other things worth mentioning. Tom Hanks was at one point approached for the lead, Aww. and then he said to Harold Ramis, "Unlikable enough." Well, that's. <laughs> do you know what's funny? That you should, Harold Ramis said that's what Tom Hanks said. Is that Bill Murray? you people don't know with him if he's going to be a jerk beginning to end Mm -hmm. but if it was tom hanks tom hanks said to harold ramus they would have just been waiting for me to become nice yeah like i could have done it but there wouldn't have been any real suspense it would just be like oh when he's going to be when is he going to be it's the opposite of castaway i saw this great meme the other day it it showed tom hanks in four different scenes i think it was the, the the castaway the pilot two two others just like Whatever you do, don't travel with this I guy. I know. I've seen that <laughs> meme too. Yeah. It's one for Joe versus the volcano. That yeah. was probably in there too. But yeah, in Castaway, he starts out as a nice guy and then he becomes this rugged survivalist, you know? Yeah. With a volleyball. Oh, Wilson. You don't, you don't Know Me is one of the songs. Which, incidentally, is also a huge song in My Best Friend's Wedding, which is the soundtrack that you gave me when you lived in Atlanta. Sounds like something I do. Yeah, because Ray, Ch- you were really into Ray Charles when you moved to Atlanta, and he. Yeah, he and, ma- he made that, and then yeah. almost like being in love at the end. Because it's is almost just like being in love. Song. There's a feeling I get when I look to the sky. I look to the west. West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> look still, up above. Still a good. It's song. almost like being in love. <laughs> I don't well, know. it's almost like being in love. <laughs> I, my last, That's my Dean my last point mm-hmm. about this movie that jumped to me though, and just my the last point really made well actually two the last points. Last can, point. Can you domesticate a groundhog? Do you think? Ooh, probably not. I okay. don't know. So groundhogs are out as pets. Um, but he, <laughs> I hit one my, on the way home from Norris. I killed a groundhog this year. Yeah. Oh my god! Right, what? coming out right out of La Follette. Oh. 
I, it was running and I was like, what is that? And then it was just clomp. Yeah. I hit a deer the other day or the deer. I hit a squirrel the other day. But, but I've been killing things left and right. It's very upsetting. I've never run over an animal until this year. I hit two. Oh, no. Yeah. But wouldn't he? Bunkatani so knows. 10,000 days, 10,000 years, whatever it may be, he's effectively in prison. Wouldn't he come out and have some, like the next PTSD. day he wakes up? Yeah. PTSD is what I got written down. Wouldn't yeah. he have some, like th- this wouldn't be a come out and everything's okay type yeah. of scenario. He would have to learn how to re. He'd have to relearn how to budget. He'd have to relearn how to have a job. He'd have yeah. to relearn how to even go to the store because mm-hmm. everything would pop right back. Yeah. Okay. I, just so long as that someone else. Mm-hmm. acknowledges that because that never um l- okay actually last thing um <laughs> so you guys you guys get well beyond try to the the movies yeah try to i just accept a whole bunch of crap <laughs> what's the fun in that <laughs> yeah but la- la- my actual last question okay how would i do it at a, at a, a bachelor's auction how well do you think oh. I do it? Ooh, not happy with that sound. Depends on what you're wearing. <laughs> okay, because okay, I, I Justin and I know we get very kill. drunk and then maybe no, like no, no. Let's say it's early in the evening. It's it's the dinner started at five. I'm up on that stage by six. Cash bar. Yeah, the problem is you're Polish. It's not about Pennsylvania. It's not about your you're body at all. It, I think you're I would kill. kill. I think I would absolutely kill too. I'd be all over it. Thank if, you. If, if I batted from the other side <laughs> oh, of the plate, no. I'd be all over it. <laughs> Thank you, and right back at you. <laughs> well, okay. So I would. So you don't think I'd fare that well? Up there. I what I have to say I is that sure your face is, is, betrays how you went your confidence and you are not able to keep like a sexy straight face you if you were not drunk enough you would pull like a i'm playing sexy okay you can see my inner yeah like uncomfortableness with this okay and if you were too drunk you would just be sloppy okay and so maybe there's a very fine line where you could (laughs) do well (laughs) but the fact that you know that people are watching you and judging you i feel like you would do something yeah probably funny i'd probably do a spin like a chris elliott spin Mm -hmm. i was thinking i'd probably try to reference things that people wouldn't get from that's actually from being too far away from you Mm. and or not Knowing exactly what you're I doing. I would definitely have an intro made up. It would like hit the high points, like you know. But you could, I mean, you could pull, you could pull it off See, if you play your cards right. You think I could get over a hundred dollars? We're talking a full night yeah, free dinner. I think 1993. So. Uh, we're talking, yeah. Let's go 1993 money. Yeah. Still think I get up? That's all I, mean, I need. Rural Pennsylvania would be, a, a, you know, one of the better places for you. <laughs> Being Polish and <laughs> you were doing, so, you brought it back, and we're doing so well. You just throw it all I'm in the garbage saying, can. I, I, anyone is a ten in rural Pennsylvania. Like it's again, like, you're not making it much better yeah. as you go. I would do well in rural Pennsylvania. I mean, it's like the bar is lower in rural Pennsylvania. What is it like? A New York ten is an LA six. Don't know. something. You know who would do well is Brian because Brian is quiet and exudes this confidence in his face that that would do well at a, a bachelor's auction yes okay that people like that women like older women love him i don't know i don't know what it is how old like 50 to 60 
It's huge. <laughs> and they got the money. That's well, all. They probably like you too. I think they. Thanks like for having me. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. That's all the notes I got. Anything from you? Or is that I'm feeling it? guilty about this. How I'm leaving it. That's fine. <laughs> I've heard this stuff before. I hear it again. It's not that you are unattractive. It's not you. It's me. Yeah, I think or that's undesirable. It is. It's the nature of the hey, bachelor hey, Sarah. option. <laughs> hey Sarah. What? I just want to say thank you. This is my suitcase for this year's their song "Love" off the Keys to Cat Heaven. It's oh, our no. intro and outro theme. They are now available on iTunes. Oh, good. So check them out on iTunes. Yeah. And Sarah, if people do want to get back to us with. Uh, opinions on is this a romantic comedy is mm-hmm. justin really wrong um <laughs> would is, justin do well in is, an auction would justin do well in an auction or is uh one of the points of this movie that you can get better which is what harold ramus actually said one of the points of the movie was oh, i would like to hear how other people view better. it yeah hmm. so either way if they want to get to us with any information uh where can they email us mail at romcomcom.com and if they wanted to check us out on instagram sarah it's romcomcom d-o-t com on instagram and then also on facebook at romcomcom.com cool yeah and facebook seems to be where people like to comment yeah cool or people just always going to be the same no matter who they are can you never get better are you just who you are Hmm. Stick that in your Nietzsche. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, Nietzsche never, never mind. Well, thanks for joining us. This hey, week. it's a it was pleasure. Fun. This Hopefully is very nice. Thank time. you. I had a great time. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this. So yeah. you're kind to include me. Yeah, glad to have you. I guess that's that, Sarah. Yeah, you did it. All right, you did it. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> do.